Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now and it is a sunny Friday, January afternoon here in the mayor's office. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel winter sun hits different not better or worse but different i want you to know that i've been following your projects the ones that have been tagging the show and you are doing great keep it up that means so much to me if you don't know you can get that encouragement by following the show at new amsterdam on instagram and at new underscore amsterdam on that twitter uh well you know this show is about thinkers doers and creatives but one of the cool things about the show is that it's open to speaking to different people from all walks of life and my guest today uh, wrote a book that really made me go hmm the fourth origin refuting the myth of evolutionism and exposing the father of clergy letters kind of plays back into the whole debate between evolutionism and creationism now you could have your own opinions i know i do but it's really cool to hear a brand new perspective on something you think you know that's how you challenge your own opinions. That's how you get to refine your own beliefs. So roll with me. But before I get to my chat this afternoon, I just want to say, as always, you can follow the show at newamsterdam.com, kwamsterdam.com to learn about, more about this show and all the other shows in the New Amsterdam Entertainment Network. And me, well, I'm at Flobo Voice on Twitter. That's F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E. Ask me anything. I love questions. I love answering them. I'm top tier in trivial pursuit. <laughs> All right, enough of my rambling. Thanks so much for supporting the show. Tell a friend about it. And we'll be right back after this interview. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creators. It is I, the mayor, Flubble Voice, in the mayor's office, speaking with those that are thinking and doing. And I just got finished reading the book, Fourth Origin, Refuting the Myth of Evolutionism, Exposing the Folly of Clergy Letters. I'm being joined by the author themselves. Please welcome Michael. I'm going to make sure I get this right. Ibifaha? Is that even close? That's great. Good. Good. <laughs> I was nervous. Uh, how's it going today? Beautiful. Thank God. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Our best. Very tense time, but life is kicking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a good sign, right? Especially in the dead of winter here for most of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into you. Fourth origin, uh, refuting the myth of evolutionism and exposing the folly of clergy letters is a mouthful. So let me ask you this. What was the reason behind naming your book as such? What was your inspiration for writing it? Well, first of all, thought means my fourth book. And I'm dealing with one of the most important subjects in this life, which is origin. Because that determines a lot of things we do. And so I call it thought because it's a thought book. And it is a very special kind of book because this time it's addressing both uh, regions of controversy, all right? I'm addressing evolutionists in the scientific department section in the establishment and also addressing clerics in their own uh, position as uh, people of religion. So what is going on, of course, at this point is 
the controversy has reached a stage where other times evolutionists have a way of pushing away religion, saying that science is evidence and science is truth. Okay. Um, so religion is being pushed down. But this particular book is good in the sense that evolutionists now have come up and to say, oh yes, ours is a scientific truth and foundational science. And also, yours is also another kind of truth. So in that sense, let us not argue. Let's understand each other but saying that we have two different truths. And so what I'm cutting in is this. There is one God for science, the same God for religion. The scientific establishment and all those things, all the resources we have originated from a mind. And God has spoken to say that he did all of this. All right? Mm -hmm. So science cannot have a truth that is totally different from what God has given as a commandment. God, knowing full well that the subject of origin is very central in human life, made it a moral commandment. His creation is presented in the Decalogue, that is the Ten Commandments, as a law. In that sense, what God is doing is no one should give false witness about our origin since no one observed it. The only way that it can be enforced is to give it as a commandment. So God's word is truth. So what evolutionists are presenting is not consistent with what God is presenting. How can we have two different truths? And so clergy, seeing that in other times they have fallen some kind of prey to the scientific community and say, no, yes, we agree. There are two truths, the scientific truth and then the religious truth, which religious people should present in their own quarters. And the scientific truth should be presented in the scientific uh, classrooms. But interestingly enough, whereas clergy are saying, do not present the religious aspect which God has himself given for us to present and transmit through the world to know the truth of our origin. While they are doing that, saying that do not present the religious, present it in your own quarters, in your own schools and things like that, but not in the public school. But at the same time, clergy are taking the evolutionist story to present in the church. So my, quarter, uh, my book is all about trying to analyze and to focus on what the truth is. Mm -hmm. One true God who is the author of science and also the author of religion. Mm -hmm. Cannot give us two different truths. And so that's what I'm trying to let people know. So we shouldn't confuse our children by saying there are two truths. So you have to choose between one or the other. You have to take good of them. And that is a set of confusion that they're setting. 
So my book is there to clarify that so we know the truth and no one should be pressured. This time, it is not religion that is crossing the border. It is science that is crossing the border to the religion aspect because the subject of origin is actually not a scientific question. It's a historical question. And if there is a creator, the creator will have to claim us, not us to look for who created us, kind mm -hmm. of. So my book is to tell clerics to stay in their premises, not to cross the border, not to, because all what this evolutionist community is doing is to garner support from clergy to be on their side because they are not able to effectively subdue the scientists who are promoting the religious cause because according to Einstein, as we all know, these two are dependent on each other. And so Einstein told us clearly that science without religion is limb. And also religion without science is blind. The two work hand in hand. And there is sufficient evidence in the evolutionist camp to show that this world was not created by chance. And God has claimed credit. And so my message is for the clergy not to think that this is the Galileo's case where they have to now say, okay, we made a mistake in the past, so this is not. God is truth. There is only one truth. There is no scientific truth different from religious truth. But at this point, they're presenting them as two different set of truths. And that's what I'm challenging in this book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from your experience and estimation, there seems to be a battle between the concept of evolution and creationism. But you're saying they are part of the similar tapestry from the sole creator. Correct or no? Is that right? Yeah. Yes, Does that make allowances for people with belief systems outside of monotheistic purview? If I was someone who was part of a polytheistic religion, would there be a space for me as well to think about that, that dichotomy? Um, well, I think it does. Um, well, Franz said God himself has given us a choice, you know. Mm -hmm in what we do. Uh, he's not forcing anyone. If we look at everything, even from the scriptures, um, where people are given commandments and they're told what to do and you can choose to do or not to do. So there is, yes, room for everyone. Um, but the fact is in a thing like this, we just have to look at convention. Mm -hmm. If I, build, say, a cell phone, I will claim credit for it, and anybody who wants to intrude will, you know, know that there's somebody who uh, introduced that system. And so the our limitation is the fact that God has actually claimed credit that he created the world verbally and also in print. Mm -hmm. All right? So that establishes the truth, and then he makes this a commandment because knowing fully well no one observed the past and no one has uh, any private or special information about the past. We all are looking at the information and interpreting it in our own way. 
And since God does not is not a God of confusion, he made sure he makes it a moral commandment. So uh, creation origin is some fact that is established in as a moral obligation that we should. It's just as we cannot choose our parents or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So God made that abundantly clear. So yes, people are free to have different views outside that and convince themselves with, and they give the reasons why they don't believe in God, of course, that's fine. But the fact is, there is a claim. It has not been disputed. It is there. It has been applied until now that there is external forces trying to put out all of those things out and is being watered down. But the fact is, history is all about origin and not science. Hmm. In the dust jacket on Fourth Origin, you say, quote, the Darwinian theory of evolution begins with facts, science of microevolution, and ends with fiction, myths of macroevolution. Could you go in more depth about that? All right. Um, we all agree that, well, evolution is broadly defined as uh, change with time. Um, so, yes. Change with time is a concept that is in every way cannot be limited to evolution, so to speak. Um, so given that, there are things we see, um, different breeds of dogs, all right, that we see as some kind of microevolution, all right, beaks of, um, parrots or having different shape, different sizes, people having different heads and all of that kind, those type of little changes within, mm -hmm. which we call microevolution and which they agree we observe is something that is everywhere. Like uh, if you look at the breeding enterprise, that's what they're doing. That is how, strictly speaking, microevolution, we've not got somewhere where we see, well, let me say, hypothetically seeing a cat transforming slightly to uh, take the futures of a dog and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so revolution, every scientist uh, accepts that kind of uh, evolution. Um, but macroevolution, and we want that says that there was one common ancestor through which all other organisms emerge. That has not been proven. It's a, what they call a theory. And then the fact, of course, is there is no common ancestor because they have not found it and they admit that they cannot find it. Well, if science is based on evidence and you can't even find a common ancestor, why should we uh, believe that, all right? So that aspect is what we call macroevolution where Scientists, most of the experiments or things mutating and all of that are essentially within the domain of microevolution. And unfortunately, the problem is the term is also ambiguous. No, no one has an actual clear definition of what it is. Even among the scientists who are promoting it, it's just to say uh, body parts, you know, Starting with the bacteria, and at some point the bacteria get leg, and from there, and then start going on all of that. It's just speculation, pure speculation. And so, macroevolution is, as I've said, 
There is no specific definition. What somebody may look as microevolution is what others may not look, and that's why the scientific community has problem. And so when you see scientists, those who believe in God will tell you that, yes, when God said people should produce after their kind, it gives changes, you know, small changes here and there, but not people transforming into some other set of uh, animals or, you know, that kind of thing. There is no, and then if you look at the records in the fossil, the fossil, the fossils actually do not show when you've, what, okay. What is happening, of course, is people claim that they have seen those uh, stages of transformation. But when we go into deposits, especially these ones, where we have large collection of species, like the one in Canada and in China, there's no evidence of transitions happening. All of it is just a matter of expert opinion. And the expert opinion is very, very biased in most cases, because the fact is to prioritize a particular line of thought because evolutionists will tell you clearly that if any evidence points to God, they will not accept that because they want a scientific something that has nothing to do with God. They will tell you clearly that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So walk walk me through the the information collection for this book because it's thoroughly researched. I mean, you have a lot of sources cited. What was this process like? Months? Did you go different places? Did you like source from from other materials? What was that? The writing process for the origin like? Um. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I um in physics and uh, this more is in biology kind of thing and um, I got interested because uh, my cousin when I visited him and I wanted to know how things are he said well with God he's learned something that uh, evolution gives him a different impression about God that uh, all this God issue and he gave me an example of the giraffe which is said a long neck and use evolution to explain why the neck is long. And I said, oh, of course, stories like that, being from Africa. Um, my parents tell me a story about the tortoise and the turtle and all that's what happened. You know, those things fit somehow by just imagining what things are. So I said I was going to be interested now. Now that he's brought this and is affecting the truth of origin, I will research, and that's how this work started. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I look at, um, listen to the news, um, look at textbooks, and sometimes um, listen to uh, presentations. And, and so with that, I was able to spend a lot of time studying different journals and things and what people are saying, what the evolutionists are saying and what the creationists are saying so that I know that I'm just going to be balancing things, not to, but my fact is that I am after the truth, not after the theory, whether, because evolution has given so much 
that is enough for a theory to itself be casting a very serious doubt on its authenticity. Uh, for example, the junk DNA, we now know that that concept is horror, and that was the concept they gave us, eliminating the creationist point because they said they can see no reason why God would create and then put the DNAs that are junk in people and they are carrying that baggage all around. So no God should do that, and only evolution can explain it in that sense. And they use that as one of the strong reasons why evolution should be the gospel truth, as mm -hmm. we can see in Jerry Kuhn's book. Um, so most of those things have been uh, turned down. And if we look at the uh, records of fossils, uh, I think most evolutionists will agree that it's a... Uh, supports the creationist worldview um, in that sense. Uh, if truth is all what it is, and that's what I am after. So my my point is I'm after the children that they have to get the truth. They have to decide on what, because why are, not, why are they refusing to compare creation and evolution? Evolution is a secondary process. It cannot be the beginning of anything. A beginning of anything, if something is created, there must be a creator life as we see it pass from one person to the other person. So there must be a life that is living. And according to science itself, which of sciences by biogenesis, it tells you life can only emerge from a pre-existing life, mm -hmm. right? So the concept that life started from non-life is not going to work. Mm -hmm. But that is the platform on which evolution will start. And if we even look at evolution uh, mutation, if it's mutation, what happens? Cells are created in, for them to divide and do all of it. So creation is a primary process. You cannot take a secondary process and say that is a worldview. But that's what I see going on here. Evolution is in there because there was creation. And so any achievements given to evolution actually should be credited to creation. So uh, it's just taking a subordinate to work. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So those are the things I'm trying to stress and to make clear because issues of how old the earth is, that's one crucial thing that people use to determine who is a scientist and who is not a scientist. But then those are fairly trivial issues that I'm pointing out. But uh, the truth belongs to God, and God knows that scientists will never be able to know how he can perform what he performed in the days he mentioned. Six days to prepare the world uh, for scientists, they said that's nonsense. But just as the earthworm will not be able to know how we build skyscrapers, <laughs> scientists mm -hmm. will not know. We, we build houses, we pull the roofs all over, we do it, and Atom can't do that. So God will say, he spread the sky with his hands. Scientists cannot understand why should that be. They are limited, so what are things are limited? But God is not limited. As Einstein himself pointed out, that God is an illimitable spirit. That we must accept. What's one thing you hope people to that they extract from your book? Uh, I think that you people will come with a base camp or a base knowledge, but what's something that you discovered in crafting Fourth Origin you wish that readers pulled from when they read it? Yes, that is this. 
In most cases, it has always been separate the church from the state. But the point here now, as I see it, is to separate the worldviews from the state. Because when you talk of evolution, now that the clerics are also saying that evolution is foundational truth, then the church is not separate from the state. Because the clergy are accepting and telling their members that evolution is a fact and it's a scientific fact, foundational truth, and has been proven according to them beyond reasonable doubt. So the church is not against evolution, and I think most church people are evolutionists. So why bringing religion to be the issue here? It should be if worldview is religion, then the point I'm driving at is judicial system, the states should now be separating worldviews, whether it is from a scientist or from a church or from a, they should separate worldviews from the state, not the church from the state. The church have evolutionist creationists. So the take home is, let us not talk about scientific truth and religious truth that are different and we know have not in common. Let us talk about worldviews that the state, in that sense, it makes it possible for every religion, if possible, to be presented in the science class and people argue and compare to see where science is doing the right thing or where the religion is wrong, in that sense, not to say science belongs to um, this, well, science belongs to the um, schools and the religion belongs to the churches. That kind of picture is what I want to take home. Hmm. Fourth Origin, refuting the myth of evolutionism and exposing the folly of clergy letters is now available on Amazon. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. New Am Sam the podcast for creators, Michael. Does anyone want to like learn more about the other books you've written? How they go about doing that? Um, okay, they are also in the Amazon. I will be getting the website. It's being prepared, but the final touches are still underway. Um, so my five books will be available at that point. Fantastic. Uh, available now, Fourth Origin is correct? Yeah, yes, Fourth Origin is available. And the other ones are available too, but um, uh, you can get them uh, if you go into uh, Amazon too, you will get those ones. But I will get all of them all together in one package in my website. So that in the two or three months or so, I should have that done. I'll make a note of that in the show notes. Thanks again for being on the program, New Hampshire Radio, the podcast for creative thinkers and doers. Thank you very much, and thanks for your time. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this week's episode of New Amsterdam Radio, a bonus edition for the weekend. And this is where I give you the long sell. My book, my first memoir, Graduation Day, was released last August, August 2021. 
how I thought was the end of the pandemic, but I don't know when this thing's going to end. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, it was fantastic to hear the feedback upon that book's release. You know, so many times as creatives, we create something in the dark. We say, we like this, we don't like it, we press on, we don't know when the shore is, we know the lighthouse somewhere, we're in this boat and the seas are rocky. I'm totally drawing a whole picture that's kind of over dramatic. Point being, uh, the feedback has been so supportive and so positive. I didn't think I would got the love I got. So thank you so much. If you haven't had a chance to check out Graduation Day, it is a look at some of the adult misadventures I suffered. And by adult, I mean grown-up stuff. I don't mean like adult. I mean grown-up stuff. Uh, trying to understand about entertaining the masses or how getting lost in Italy changed my life. And the idea is that the life lessons I learned in my chapters, I eventually craft a commencement speech for theoretical college kids of the future. It's called Graduation Day. One more time, it's available on Amazon. Pick up a copy. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, you can do that by hitting me up on Twitter at Global Voice or hit us the email, you know, old school that way, info at newamsterdam.com. That's K N E W amsterdam.com thanks for checking out the bonus episodes i know sometimes people say the bonus episodes are a different flavor and that's by design so i appreciate you from the bottom of my heart until next time this city is yours thanks so much for listening to new amsterdam radio Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.